Hello, everyone, and welcome to Beam On Podcast. I'm Jana Kubasi, an incoming radiation oncology resident, and I have with me Dr. Ken Walner, Associate Professor in Radiation Oncology at the University of Washington Medical Center and an expert in brachytherapy. He is the first author of the Arrow article titled The Evidence and Rationale for a Coronary Brachytherapy Dose Response. Welcome, Dr. Walner. I'm glad to be here. So as we dive into your article, the first question that comes to mind is, how can brachytherapy prevent vascular stenosis? Yeah, the working hypothesis, and I will emphasize that is the working hypothesis, is that brachytherapy slash high-dose radiation inhibits restenosis by killing off monocytes in the adventitia that would otherwise migrate into the media and intima and produce, I'll say, scar tissue. So we think it's an effect of radiation on monocytes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And if so, how can radiation have two opposing effects on vessels? So on one hand, we have intravascular brachytherapy to prevent stenosis. And on the other, we have radiation-induced carotid or vertebral artery stenosis in head and neck radiation, for example. Very good question, <laughs> which probably needs a lot more thinking. I mean, I think it, it is, it, you know, I think you can get your head around the idea that very focal high-dose radiation could prevent stenosis inside a small blood vessel. I think if you're talking about external beam radiation covering a wider area, then you get into this fibrosis process that, you know, we hear about all the time from beginning of residency that, that is, is more of an issue with wide field radiation. Mm -hmm. And that's about the best I can say. Mm -hmm. Okay. Got you. So it's um, about the dose and it does or it makes a difference if it's external beam or inside the vessel as in brachytherapy. I believe so. There have been some studies, very limited, looking at external beam radiation to prevent coronary restenosis. The results were mixed, and I think everybody is pretty skeptical, and it just was never pursued. And th those studies were done back in the probably early 90s. Mm -hmm. Well, that's definitely very interesting. And building up from pathophysiology, you mentioned in the article an uncertainty over the intended radiation target in intervascular brachytherapy. Why is that though? There are two classic studies looking at the effect of radiation, either external radiation, well, it's actually brachytherapy in normal arteries. That's a key issue here. Uh, it was in pigs and in rats. And those studies showed that radiation inhibited monocytes or myofibroblasts, which may be the same thing. And it's been thought for the past 20 years that that is the mechanism of radiation's inhibition of instant restenosis. But the subject is going to need to be looked at again because those two studies, only two, use normal vessels, which are way, way different than somebody who has a second or third instant restenosis of a drug-eluting stent. So I would say there's almost nothing right now 
that really delves into the mechanism of the complicated patients that we are treating. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So definitely we need more research uh, into the topic. Absolutely. If, if this continues to build clinically, because it sort of works probably, I think there will be a re-examination of what exactly we are doing. But Mm -hmm. nobody's published anything in in 20 years. Mm -hmm. Well, that's uh, something to look forward to. And in terms of the target delineation in brachytherapy, there's an uncertainty that you mentioned in the article or the target. Why is it uncertain intravascular brachytherapy? Another very good, very difficult question. We prescribe the dose generally to one or two millimeters from source center. And the intention is to cover the adventitia with that prescription dose at that prescription depth. The problem is, again, if you were looking at normal blood vessels in a rat, that would work fine because the blood vessels are pretty homogeneous. But when you start looking at human blood vessels that have had multiple instant restenoses and have two or three metal layers in them, the distance from the source to the adventitia is highly variable, not only along the vessel, but even in a single slice of the vessel, you can have this incredible asymmetry. One side of the vessel, it could be one millimeter to the adventitia, and the other side, it could be three or four millimeters, and and the dose would be hugely different. So what we're prescribing, we don't really know where it needs to go, I guess, and where it's going, and it is dosimetrically a mess. Mm -hmm. People knew this 15 years ago and started doing some nice studies trying to make sense of it, but then coronary brachytherapy fell off the map because Mm -hmm. of DES's drug eluting stents being introduced, and people sort of just gave up on this whole issue. But the dosimetry is awful. Uh And aside from the target, there is also a difficulty in accurately measuring the dose, right, across the treated vessel. Correct. For the same reason is we don't know, you know, everything's so heterogeneous in there. And we're talking about putting a, you know, linear Steronium 90 source there that makes no accommodation for variation in the vessel wall thickness along the vessel or in the circumference. So, Again, it's it's just dosimetrically, it, it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. So in, in addition to the challenges in dosimetry, there seems to be some or some uncertainty in the response to the dose. What can you say about that? Yeah, so there have been a number of animal studies and a couple of nice human studies, prospective randomized, that have shown some dose response. Mm-hmm. It has not been completely consistent, but but it's generally there. I think the reason it's not more consistent than it is, is because of this dosimetry. You know, you do a dose response and you assume you have decent dosimetry, you know, that you're basing your numbers on, but we really have a mess for our dosimetry. So the fact that some dose response shows through that jungle is surprising. Mm-hmm. Probably true. Mm-hmm. I mean, more is probably better. Yeah, definitely. So it seems there are several uncertainties, whether in determining the target, the dose, or potentially even their response to the dose. 
So what are the considerations in case a clinician wants to give higher doses in intravascular brachytherapy? And would that be safe? I think there are a lot of people talking about this. There are a few problems with raising the dose, one of which we still don't really know what we're even treating. We're just going to do a blanket dose escalation. If brachytherapy is doing something, which it probably is, I think more will help. It will be complicated to relate that to dosimetry because we don't know what the dosimetry is. I do believe, and not much has been said about this, but there is one large series of about 60 patients who were retreated with full-dose brachytherapy, same vessel, and there has never been a known complication from these double treatments. And we do a lot of it here also. We have never reported those results. I am looking into going back and looking at those patients who were double treated. We have patients who were triple treated to the (laughs) segment. And it's like, could you imagine doing this in anything else in radiation oncology? And we are not aware of any complication, but not all of these patients have been followed meticulously. But I think, you know, at this point, Considering the utter lack of complications, there's got to be room to safely increase the dose. I don't know if that's good enough for an IRB, but that's Mm -hmm. sort of the way I look at it. That is very interesting. So it seems the ability or the tolerance of the vessels is probably more than what we think it is at the moment. I, I think it's probably way more than what we think it is. Interesting. And how do you view things going forward? in the realm of vascular brachytherapy. We mentioned a lot of gaps in the knowledge. So what should we expect? I think this is going to continue to build for a couple of reasons. One, we put a lot of drug-eluting stents in patients in the United States and around the world. The number, the rough number for a new DES in the United States, I believe is half a million per year. And a certain percent of those are going to restenose and restenose again. What that is depends on your length of follow-up, but it's you know, it's double digits, 10, 20, maybe 30% with longer follow-up. So you are talking about a lot of patients every year who present with restenosis inside a DES that didn't work. The cardiology field has wanted to get away from brachytherapy because it's a pain in the rear to get us radiation oncologists up there to sort of push a button and not much else. So This has sort of been the poor cousin in radiation oncology and cardiology because neither specialty really wants to deal with getting the other specialty into the cath suite. Having said that, I do think it sort of works and people are turning to it more and more because they don't want to keep putting, quote, more metal into these vessels that already have a couple of layers of stent. So I see the numbers going up and up. I believe more people in radiation and cardiology, will take an interest in this and re-examine what's going on because it's really been ignored for almost 20 years. Well, that is very promising and it'd be exciting to see. Uh, Hopefully, cardiology and radiation oncology would collaborate on this topic. (laughs) Exciting to see how the realm uh, moves forward. Thank you very much, Dr. Walner, for your insight on vascular brachytherapy, its pathophysiology, target and dose uncertainties, and dose response considerations. We're excited for the future of coronary brachytherapy. Thank you very much. Absolutely my pleasure. Good luck. We, we may talk again. Thank you.